You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time to talk about the Green Bay Packers. Good afternoon, Packers fans. My name is J.J. Leahy. Thank you for tuning in. I'm here to talk about everything Green Bay Packers and give you news, notes, and insight because we're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Packers football. Today, I'm going to break down the new roster that came out yesterday. Of course, the Packers are famously tight-lipped as an organization. They play their cards very close to the chest. So while other teams started shedding players on Friday, we didn't hear anything until Saturday morning, and Brian Gutekunst carried on Ted Thompson's long tradition of dragging his heels, waiting to publish that official 53, 45 minutes after the deadline to submit it to the NFL had passed. If you're looking for a good investment opportunity, let me tell you, you can lose a lot of money trying to predict what roster moves the Packers will make. As usual, there were some big surprises nobody saw coming. The biggest question on every fan's mind was what the wide receiver room would look like. So we'll start with that. Leading up to this weekend, most fans on social media were split between whether they wanted third-year Jake Kumaro, a.k.a. Touchdown Jesus, who, by the way, had a total of two touchdowns for the Packers ever, former CFL wide receiver Reggie Begleton, or both. Now, I predicted neither one of these guys would make the team, instead giving that job to returning Darius Shepard. Shepard, of course, was cut two weeks after his disastrous Week 6 performance against the Detroit Lions last year. I've never been a big Shepard fan, but Matt LaFleur has consistently spoken very highly of Darius, and by all accounts, he was working extremely hard to clean up his game. I predicted he would win his old job back. Well, the first player of the day to get cut from the team was, in fact, Jake Kumaro, but Reggie Bagleton and Darius Shepard both followed soon after, leaving receivers Malik Turner and Malik Taylor as the final depth guys to win that bottom wide receiver job. Well, second-round undrafted free agent Malik Taylor out of Ferris State after spending an entire season with the Packers on their practice squad. Claimed victory. He's the final wide receiver and the final Malik. Malik Turner was cut and subsequently picked up by Dallas. There can be only one. This was the move that surprised everybody. I think most people had Malik Taylor ranked at or near the very bottom of the wide receiver depth chart. The Packers' padded practice last Sunday inside Lambeau Field clearly was an opportunity that swung the needle for Taylor. He had possibly the biggest play of the day after he caught a pass near the sideline from Tim Boyle and turned upfield for a 45-yard touchdown. Now, Taylor has never played an actual game in the NFL before. He played in three preseason games last year and did quite poorly, so we really don't have any grades or stats available to us to look at and see what exactly he's really good at. However, looking at what all the receivers that the Packers have brought in and either signed or worked out during the offseason, as well as last year, we can safely make one very reasonable assumption. Taylor must have really impressed the coaches with his ability to run block. There is no doubt about this in my mind. Run blocking wide receivers are a thing that Matt LaFleur covets. 
Jake Kummerow, and Travis Fulgham, who was released a couple weeks ago, graded out as elite run-blocking wide receivers. And I can promise you, when you have guys like Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard on your team, wide receiver five, actually wide receiver six, but we'll get to that in a second, is not a job that LaFleur is going to give to a guy who can just make some great catches. Especially since great pass catching is not something we've seen a ton from Malik Taylor in the past. Remember, Taylor is going to really be a depth guy. When you're that far down the chart, you're not going to see a lot of playing time. When he is, Taylor will certainly be called upon to run block. And making the roster is a clear sign that LaFleur thinks he can block when called upon. Also at wide receiver, of course, there was Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I was really starting to have some doubts about MVS, but he really put it together at the end of training camp earning high praise from Aaron Rodgers. I would say that the receiver that I've been most impressed with, especially the last, you know, week, 10 days of camp is Marquez. You know, I think he has uh, had some really good practices uh, in a row, started to lay down some good practice fundamentals that he can uh, he can lean on. But at the same time, I know Matt said this at one point, this is the new standard for MBS. I'm proud of uh, the way that he's gone about his business. I thought he had a fantastic uh, Sunday and made a bunch of plays, uh, some heady plays, and just some plays he's supposed to make. You know, he's, he's now he's making the catches he's expected to make, and he's adding some some extra plays in there where he's you know doing some smart things and and showing showing the growth. Last year's punt and kick returner and all-around gadget guy Tyler Irvin appeared to make the switch in training camp from running back to wide receiver. At least that's how he'll probably be used. He is still listed as a running back and his number won't change. Don't be surprised, however, to possibly see him on the field more often than Equinemia St. Brown. Irvin was a huge factor in the offense during training camp. So Malik Taylor is wide receiver five, but gadget guy Swervin Irvin technically listed as a running back, in all likelihood, lines up at receiver far more often than Taylor ever sees the field. Moving on to running back, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, in all likelihood, by the end of the season, are running backs one and two, in some order. However, to start the season off, running back two is still Jamal Williams, in no small part due to his incredible pass-blocking ability. Williams has also excelled as a receiving back. No doubt you remember his impressive catch in the Chiefs game in the back corner of the end zone. In 2019, on a minimum of 20 targets, Pro Football Focus ranks the top three running backs in the league by receiving grade as Austin Eckler with a 93.5, Jamal Williams with a 92.0, and Aaron Jones just below that with 91.3. Running backs coach Ben Sermon believes Jamal has gotten even better in this area. Quote, that's been the biggest thing he's improved. Jamal did a great job throughout the offseason improving his overall quickness and ability as a receiver. Those things have shown up big time so far in camp. The aforementioned Tyler Irvin is technically listed as running back number four for the team. Last year's pick Dexter Williams was unfortunately cut. This was not surprising, but he was re-signed to the practice squad this morning. At quarterback, no surprises here. Aaron Rodgers obviously is the starter. Tim Boyle is obviously the backup. And although Jordan Love will not see the field at all this year, the team likely hopes he will take charge and lead the scout team for the number ones during the season. In this wonky offseason, with no OTAs, no minicamps, no preseason games, and far fewer practices than they would normally receive, this was a brutal offseason for Jordan Love. He was always seen as a developmental prospect anyways, a kid who needed to sit behind a guy like Aaron Rodgers for a couple years and go through something like Mike McCarthy's quarterback school he put together for Aaron Rodgers. The sky's the limit when it comes to Love's potential, but right now, there's no question he's not even close to NFL ready. That shouldn't concern anyone. Matt LaFleur is probably the least surprised person on the planet. He's been pleased with the growth that Love has shown and doesn't seem at all concerned about his hand-picked first-round pick quarterback's future. At tight end, there's a slightly different story. Last year's third-round pick, Jay Sternberger, is supposed to be the new Jimmy Graham. 
but had an extremely quiet training camp. A few days ago, LaFleur had this to say when asked about Jace's progress. You know, I think Jace is, is still a young player and, you know, he's constantly improving. And um, part of that is probably lack of, of certain opportunities. So, you know, we got to make sure we do a good job of putting him in position. But I still think he's got, I think he's got a, a really big upside. And I think as we transition more into the game planning weeks, we've got to try to incorporate his his ability to kind of stretch the field because that's one thing he does extremely well um, and just implement him into the plan. When the Packers published their roster, Jace was listed third behind both Mercedes Lewis and Robert Tanyan. The fourth tight end on the list, Josiah DeGuara, figures to feature as an H-back, a tight end with fullback responsibilities. The hope here, of course, is that Jace Sternberger can become a big target for Rodgers and feature heavily in the passing game, lining up a lot in the slot, as well as stretching that field of play and hopefully becoming a big-bodied red zone target. So, the first 16 roster spots go to offensive skill positions. Offense and defense both get 25 men on this year's roster, which means we get nine offensive linemen. David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins are obviously back on the left side. The team decided it was wisest to not opt to save money by cutting center Corey Lindsley, and Lane Taylor, who missed the 2019 season due to injury, and bet big on himself by taking a pay cut in order to come back this year, won a starting job again. He's the team's right guard. Four of the five starting line jobs should give you great confidence. The Packers had the number one ranked offensive line last year, and these four guys are all really solid. Right tackle is a bit of a mess. The Packers did keep Billy Turner and Rick Wagner, but we have no idea who's starting in week one. Wagner seems to be the better tackle, but he's been struggling with injury, giving Turner a massive edge in training camp. Now, Billy Turner is the one who's hurt. So far, there's no word on the Packers reaching out to Jared Valdir to possibly come in as a backup right tackle, which he did last year with great success. Alex Light did not make the roster. This was my second miss, after wide receiver Darius Shepard. In his place, Yash Nijman is the backup tackle. We did see an early indicator at the beginning of training camp that Brian Gutekinds really liked Nijman's versatility. Backup center Lucas Patrick is back, and rookie lineman John Runyon is the final roster spot on the offense. In comparison, last year, the Packers only kept two quarterbacks instead of three, three running backs instead of four, and six wide receivers instead of five. But again, Tyler Irvin probably plays more as a wide receiver than as a running back. So quarterback and the absence of a true fullback are the only real differences here. On defensive line, it's basically the same group as last year. Somewhat surprising, as the Packers very famously failed to shut down the run in the NFC Championship loss to the 49ers. However, defensive coordinator Mike Patton has repeatedly said, and this is backed up by players like Zedarius, that they do not believe the issue was a lack of talent, but a lack of execution. Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, and second-year Kingsley Kiki all made the roster, as did Montrevious Adams. Now, Adams is interesting because he has not looked great, and he does have a toe sprain. However, the team really didn't have a lot of options. It remains to be seen how long the injury sidelines him. At outside linebacker, we obviously see the return of the Smith bros. Last year's number 12 overall pick, Rashawn Gary, is number three, although you certainly hope to see him grow and hopefully take Preston's job this year. Jonathan Garvin was the team's second seventh-round pick this year in the draft, and he really impressed in training camp. He made the team, as did Randy Rambo Ramsey, who unfortunately will have to go on IR. He and two other players that we'll mention in a moment made the 53, so that they can be reactivated during the season. In all likelihood, however, these injuries mean a significant loss of playing time. Another example is that inside linebacker. Although Christian Kirksey is clearly the starter, fifth-round pick Kamal Martin was looking dynamite in training camp, until injury struck. 
Almost certainly, the team will move him to IR to start the season, and in his place, Oren Burks and Ty Summers also made the roster. Both guys have looked promising, but make no mistake, this is a significant downgrade from Kamal Martin. The third injury is so severe that I didn't even put this player on my 53-man roster. I just assumed he was out for the year. He had surgery on a broken foot. I'm talking about promising young cornerback Kabion Ento. Don't get me wrong, I'm really glad about this. It's great news, although it does mean I got three players wrong total on my roster prediction. If Gudikins believes Ento really will be back this year, which he'd have to believe if he put him on the roster, he could be quite a bolster. While Jair Alexander and Kevin King have the starting jobs locked up, and Shannon Sullivan is the new nickel corner, behind them it's a bit murky. Josh Jackson, who did make the roster, has been very inconsistent. The same could be said of cornerback 5, Kadar Holman. With inside linebacker and cornerback looking a little bit questionable, in terms of depth, if not talent, the team opted to keep an extra safety this year. After Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, and Raven Green, as well as Will Redmond, the final member of the four original safeties we kept last year, the Packers also kept their first seventh-round pick, Vernon Scott. Mike Pettin loves to use a dime defense, which uses six defensive backs, i.e. corners and safeties. It's no surprise here that he's opting to keep so many DBs. After all, this is where the greatest pool of talent lies on the defense. If your goal is to have the best 11 players on field at all times, it makes sense to keep the most number of talented players, and that means dipping into this DB pool, a little heavier than in recent years. Kicker Mason Crosby, punter J.K. Scott, and long snapper Hunter Bradley round out the 53 on special teams. Now, there are almost no surprises when it comes to who was cut, but who was kept is the big shocker. Anyone who knows this team well should not have been surprised that Jake Kumro or Reggie Bagleton got cut. It's moves like keeping Malik Taylor that surprise people. So here's the final list of everyone who was cut. At running back, Dexter Williams and Demaria Crockett. Fullback, John Lovett. Wide receiver, Reggie Bagleton, Jake Kumro, Darius Shepard, and Malik Turner. At cornerback, Stanford Samuels and Deshaun Amos. Along the defensive line, Willington Prevalon and Trayvon Hester. Offensive lineman, Alex Light. Cody Conway, John LeGlue, and Zach Johnson. Finally, at linebacker, Curtis Bolton, Tim Williams, Tipigalea, Delonte Scott, Chris Barnes, and Greg Roberts. All in all, I really like this roster. I have some concerns about defense. I think this offense, however, is going to be much improved from last year. In the second year of Matt LaFleur's system, I think players are going to have a much better understanding of the playbook. I think the offensive line is going to do a better job of run blocking. And the lack of depth at wide receiver does not scare me like it did last year. For starters, I don't think our receivers are that bad. Another year in the system, and working together, building consistency with Rodgers, should go a long way, and the addition of Tyler Irvin is a very interesting one. I can't imagine any rookie the Packers could have drafted that would make an impact this year, although I do hope they start to develop wide receivers for the future. Our running backs, which were fabulous last year, unquestionably got a lot better this year. And speaking of defense... Christian Kirksey, and when he's healthy, Kamal Martin, are a real upgrade from Blake Martinez. We should do better at defending the middle of the field from tight ends like Zach Ertz, and we should be able to more effectively prevent first downs from running backs who escape the defensive line. Before I wrap up, here are the players brought back on the practice squad. Linebackers Delonte Scott, Chris Barnes, and Tipigalea. No word yet on what's going on with Tim Williams, who surprised a lot of people by not making the roster. Fullback John Lovett made it, as did Reggie Bagleton and Darius Shepard. Jake Kumaro got picked up by the Buffalo Bills. Running back Dexter Williams is on the practice squad, and so are cornerback Stanford Samuels and defensive lineman Willington Prevalon. The Packers also picked up two additional free agents. First, former Bills wide receiver Robert Foster. 
in his two seasons in the league, he was targeted 62 times, which he turned into 30 catches for 23 first downs and three touchdowns. The Packers also signed former New England Patriots linebacker Dijon Scuda Harris. The Packers also brought back center Jake Hansen, guard Zach Johnson, and tackle Alex Light. Linebacker Greg Roberts and safety Henry Black, as far as we know, are the final two additions to the practice squad. If you're keeping score at home, that's 14 out of their 16 allowed practice squad spots. That does it for today. Thank you so much for listening. We are one week away from our first game in Minnesota versus the Vikings. And I, for one, am looking forward to loving watching Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and A.J. Dillon demolish the Vikings' terrible defensive line. This episode has been a collaboration with the Packernet Podcast, hosted by Ryan Schlipp, the Pack Daddy, in partnership with Packernet.com and Overtime Media. Keep up on all the Green Bay Packers news by going to Packernet.com and follow the Packernet Podcast on Facebook. My name is JJ Leahy, and this has been the Daily Cheese, your Green Bay Packers news update.